We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse, the fifth column. Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle, the people that make it, and occasionally ourselves. I'm Camille Foster, and I'm in New York City. I'm with with my guys, wow. Mike Moynihan, Matt Welch. Very excited to have them both here. Excited to be but here. But I'm even more excited to have our very good friend. Can we talk about, can we talk about us podcast. <laughs> Yeah. We could do that. But we should we should at least acknowledge her because oh, she's so annoying. This is what we try to do. You know, in 2024, yeah. the the mantra of the fifth column is we want to platform women. We yes, want women this is right. to be at the wow. forefront yes. of this starting, podcast. You're letting and we are me starting on? with yeah. Team Ray. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you, have, you get you're to speak. Let, by, you're by the way, you're letting me on your platform. Much. Excuse me. And shush. Don't, don't <laughs> over talk back. Shush. Do not. We tell you when to talk. <laughs> That's right. This is a mistake. This is a mistake. Camille's, Camille's, uh, <laughs> he said this year is that when he said it very nice, yeah. he said we're in a platform. Year of the woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. When we were talking privately. Yeah. He said, more bitches. And I was like, that's not nice. That's not, I said, that's wow. sexist. And he's like, what does that mean? And yeah. I was like, I don't know, really. Yeah. Yeah. But let's have Tina on, because she has a new book out. So, yes, Tina's new book, Mo Bitches, <laughs> yeah. is going to be available at bookstores everywhere. <laughs> the Mo Bitches And diary. we couldn't be more excited. Yeah. No, Tina, you're in New York, and you came a little early because we wanted to talk to you about your exciting new book. Yes. Um, and I'm so glad you're here, despite despite me being terrible at responding to DMs and texts and all kinds of other things. We we, we had we, been we it out. yeah. You were like let's yeah. like let's do the podcast, and I was yeah. like okay, cool. And then two <laughs> months passed. Mm-hmm. Wait a second, you're saying that Camille wasn't responsive to <laughs> someone reaching out? Yeah. Well, the thing is, he offered it first, which is the yeah. thing that really messed with me. I was yeah, like, yeah. oh no, have I? Uh, have I gone soft? Am I not cool enough? Well, no, we were just, no. again, we were just looking for women, and he's the, you're the only one he knew. <laughs> he was like, I know that's that's that my Tina. wife is a woman. But yeah, but you never have her on the you're podcast. The, uh, well, yeah, because she's not a, not really allowed to talk while men are talking yeah, and all yeah, sorts of other rules wow. that we have in the household. Correct. And I don't want to confuse gonna, like, things all, by bringing her here. Yeah. I'm going to take all of this wonderful woman-owned wine <laughs> yes. that I brought you and we're like drinking it's here. woman-owned? It's Sophia, Sophia Coppola. Coppola. That's why it tastes like shit. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's Sheesh. delicious and you fine. Saw, you it, saw what happened when we just as good as any other wine. It's like Lucille Ball. She's just trying to step on the grapes. And it's like, oh, that's not how you do it. Oh my god! I mean, the other Copeland knows how to make wine. Man, right? But wait, I'll, I'll drink I've, yours. I've been in the oh. car for a long time. There's been a lot of traffic. Yeah, East I saw on almost a fight at the bodega. I'm very tired and I've been sick. So, what happened um, at the bodega? What was like? What were some of the words that I were used? Can't tell you. No, <laughs> I can't tell you. That's what the culture is now. Yeah. Is that is that it says such that I can go to the bodega? Yeah. See a man have a meltdown, like a, like, and we just have to be honest. This is the demographics of this birthday. An Arab man behind the counter, and an African American gentleman uh, wanting to get a bagel, and uh, it was really something else. But I can't even repeat anything that he said because <laughs> they're they're very offensive words to certain people. <laughs> I think and those one, people are one not word in particular Camille. that you're concerned about, but yeah. I understand. He's Fitness. like, my personal color, my personal color. <laughs> I want a bagel. And I was like, oh, fuck, here it goes. And I think that, I think the guys, you made it because all, it's so funny. Have you seen these tweets? Then we got to talk about this book because she's going to leave me. <laughs> so I wanna, have you talked about, you seen these tweets? There's been a bunch of them. Of these tanky fucking idiots. Like, 
about the Houthis, and yeah. they're like, oh, God. these are the real men. This is, you don't even know what you've awoken. I'm like, motherfucker, I go to the bodega <laughs> wow. the every day. I literally know exactly what I'm dealing with. Oh, the Yemeni wait, guys, uh, wait, I go to like wait, a Houthi wait, wait, bodega. Wait, 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 wait. The tankies are like into... They're, they're pro Houthi. Houthi. Oh yeah. my yeah. God. Yeah. Follow this the great Ben Dreyfus <laughs> too. He's, yes. he's been highlighting a lot of the pro Houthi tweets. In yeah. fairness, the Houthi can dance. If I want someone yeah, to, to hire someone to dance yeah. on an Israeli flag, fucking Houthis. Fucking no, but seriously, if there's if it's just like the floor, they're nothing. But if there's an Israeli flag, yeah. they just bust wow. it. Yeah. It's wow. like oh, breaking that's, oh, that's three, one like the, the anti-Semitic break. Oh, wait. That's <laughs> so, oh, my God. So that's what they're doing. They're, yeah. God, the internet's weird lately. Yeah, yeah. It's very well, strange. It's, like, no, it's, not, it's not just like the internet's weird. Winter is always, the internet's always been weird, but like. The way that people have decided to start memeing the fuck out of war yes. is yes. like kind of hilarious. Oh, yeah. It's unnerving, but also hilarious. Yeah. And I don't know how to feel about that. You know who's responsible for it? Yeah. Oh, the government of Ukraine, because once they <laughs> were like, true, oh, actually. my God, we're not going to lose this war. Because at first it was like, Jesus, we just have to survive. And then like three weeks later, there were just videos of drone attacks to like metal music. It's always metal music, like, like, and then like no, Russian tanks blowing up. I was like, that's pretty cool. Dude, like, I like that. I'm pretty sure there's a subreddit for like Ukrainian war memes for like for teens. Yeah. Well, I said after um, I think the the ice the beginning of the war on ISIS, and I think I might have even said in this podcast that I wanted to put together some of the videos, like the the you know the cockpit bombing video. No. It'd just be like something gray and then something that blows up. And I went and like, there were planes flying around and I wanted to do a compilation. I, I think I asked listeners to do it for me, to put that together to Paul McCartney's jet. Which oh, I right, thought would yeah. have been a great idea of just things blowing up to the song <laughs> jet by wings. And it's got that, this little offbeat. Little yeah. 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 And I just, no one, no one took woos. me up on that. Yeah. I wonder why. So Tina, you got a book out. Yeah, you got a new, new book out. The MAGA Diaries. Yeah. Yes. The MAGA yes. Diaries. Yes. Help us understand what this book is about. And and specifically, because I have yet to read it, why? <laughs> yeah. Why I he should He doesn't respond to DMs. He's reading your fucking book. I'm just saying, oh, yes. make, so make, rude. The case, okay. make the case for this book to our very literate, well-read audience who, who, who buy has an interest. Books. They, they buy, buy books. a lot of books. And yeah, we who also have been seller. asking be... for Tina to come back this for quite true. some time. You are a favorite. This is true. You yeah. are a fan favorite. You it's are. true. Thank you, boys. Yeah. Yes. All the boys who've ever listened. You can talk now. <laughs> oh, my God. I will flip this table over. Uh, you can't. You're heavy. a girl. Yeah. It's kind of heavy. Oh, my God. Wow. And then remind me, I wanted to talk to you about Godzilla, which I'm sure you've seen because, you know, obviously. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a weeb. No, it's a it's a great monster movie. It's getting wonderful reviews. No, I am it a weeb. Like sort of no, no I, I think he's saying it's because you're Asian. That <laughs> what doesn't understand what I said. That's not what I said. Not what I said. Yeah, that's that's, what is a weeb? That wouldn't make oh no, no. Sense. Okay, so a weeb is like someone who's not Japanese who what? really, really loves Japanese shit. Oh, oh you really? didn't know that. Yes, I am yeah, also a weeb. a weeb. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. In hold specific on. ways. No, wait, wait, wait. Do you love? Do you have to be Asian? No. no. Oh, anyone. Yeah. Anybody. Like, We're weebs. Everyone. Anyone. Speak for yourself. Yeah. No. I'm, I'm oh. not over certain things. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I'm over it. Wow. All okay. is forgiven. Look, is forgiven. Pearl Harbor happened, but then also so did like Toyotas. 
Yeah, and that's true. <laughs> that's right. happened, which was pretty great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, see, Godzilla is really, really good. We should talk about that later. But yeah, let's talk about the Maga Diaries. Okay, so I live in this really weird, weird space where I am like in the mainstream media, and then had to do mainstream media things, but then also come from like a libertarian background and Ooh. like mm-hmm. libertarian summer camp and journalism <laughs> camp and shit like that. And then when I get into the mainstream, everyone's like, "Wait." Can you explain any of this MAGA shit? And I'm like, uh, why do you not understand this to begin with? And so, like, but they do understand, Tina. It's white do. supremacy explains yeah. all of the things. They right? understand or misunderstand. Yeah. Mm, yeah. 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 So I like live in this weird gray zone where, like, I am explaining MAGA shit and like the vast, vast, um, spectrum of what is on the center right all the way up to like crazy land and then I have to take it back to people in MSM world and they're like what this is so confusing and half of the MAGA diaries is me going through that process because when people look at me and they're like oh my god you're Asian American and Mm -hmm. you're a first generation immigrant kid from Boston like how, how did you get involved in this and I'm like um, please don't think I'm a Nazi. Yeah. Well, let me explain. Well, let me tell you about my first boyfriend. Oh, no, yeah, well, there we go. Uh, no, well, oh. I was going to say that oh. I, don't, I think you're, why are you surprised that um, people would think a first generation Vietnamese immigrant might be on the right? <laughs> I have a couple that, of reasons why that might be the case. Dude. Um, current Vietnam being one of them. Oh. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's, okay, so, I went to a John McCain uh, election party and everyone there was Vietnamese. It was unbelievable. In Arizona, everyone. I was at the January 6th insurrection shit at the Capitol and there were so many South Vietnamese people there. And we should just be clear, the only thing you did was shit on Nancy Pelosi's desk, which is (laughs) fine. This is not actually a crime. Yeah. This is actually fine. Yes, Russia, it I would, is a crime. But yeah. it's also My appearance, yeah, just being there was like me being a peaceful patriot. <laughs> no, there <laughs> were in fact were a really? lot of South Vietnamese flags being oh, flown. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like Vietnamese people are so MAGA, and like at a certain point, they get really, really, really QAnon-y. Yeah, um, of course. Big issue in Vietnamese, like older generation information streams, is that like Vietnamese language media is so heavily like subsidized by Epoch Times and all of these organizations yeah, that are yeah. like obsessed with making sure that the CCP doesn't have control. So they'll start spreading like massive amounts of misinformation like, oh, Mark Zuckerberg did this thing. And oh, no, this is so terrible. There's a there's like a lab in Wuhan. There's like a Chinese owned lab that did bad COVID stuff in Southern California. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like and since like all the old Vietnamese people live on Facebook. Mm-hmm, yeah. they just like absorb it really quickly. And then I just keep getting asked questions from my aunts. Like, Hey, like didn't Malia Obama get married to Hunter Biden? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Is that in a Vietnamese accent or in Vietnamese or do you just, just a non accent? Um, <laughs> Cause if it's in an accent, I'd like you to do it in an accent. <laughs> because it'd be much funnier. I, you don't, oh, you don't I have can't. to. Yeah, but I I'm actually kind of like bad at doing a Vietnamese accent. Really? Yeah. So my mom was like, she had like the teeniest, tiniest bit of a Vietnamese accent, but like you could, you could, it was just like a weird, weird accent. And yeah. then my aunts um, were not a PhD educated yeah. level, mm. so like it's sort of like, oh my goodness, miss, blah 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 blah. Um, and then like the worse and worse your 
English is, the heavier your like reliance on Vietnamese tonality is. Yes. So like it's just not instinctive for me. Yeah. I mm. wish it were. I would love to flirt on the line of being canceled. Yeah. <laughs> Alas, you can't be canceled doing an accent of your own people. Well, no, you can't. Yeah, you can. I, I imagine you probably can. But also oh. your own people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm using the taxonomy of race that was delivered that's actually to not us race. by Vietnamese them. Vietnamese is not <laughs> a race, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. nationality. Yeah. yeah. I don't believe your own people. She's American. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, no, that's, and, and that's not even Boston, what I meant. So. Yeah. 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 Um, let's talk specifically about what is being, being tracked here. So you're, you're helping to decode the, the MAGA movement for um, people who are members of the media establishment broadly. I guess you do a lot of that in your day-to-day. But you're also doing this for the public more broadly, which is appropriate at the moment because it looks like Donald Trump might actually be president again at a minimum. It seems like he's very likely to be the Republican nominee again. What is the secret to actually being able to decode the MAGA movement correctly? Mm. I think half of it is... Knowing that the right is actually not just a bunch of knuckle-dragging troglodytes, which is unfortunately a huge problem I keep running into in my mainstream life. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I've had to— is, is the problem running into those types of people who are the loudest voices sometimes in the, in the debate, or that people think that that's the only thing that the right is? It's definitely the first one. Yeah. Um I think going into Trump, the idea was that like maybe the right was a little bit more cynical and just learned how to like speak properly and mm-hmm. appeal to a larger base or whatever. Um, and the conservative movement infrastructure, which is something I go really, really, really deep into, just like built itself up to be this like institution that would train the next generation of thinkers and lawyers and activists and people on the ground and like staffers and it built itself up and up and up and up but like on this belief that like they were protecting what quote-unquote conservatism was Mm. Mm. and i don't think that the movement which is what what i came out of it Mm -hmm. was immune to populism and trumpism Mm -hmm. so the moment that trump comes in and the base absolutely loves this guy and they're like actually we are not really into this like free market Shit, really yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were at ground zero at one of the places that changed the most. It was the most, I mean, Claremont, mm-hmm. um, you know, oh, Clay, and wow, Claire, yeah. Claremont Review of Books, it's and the totally inst- different and the Institute yeah. was about like getting us in touch with the founding documents and the oh. principles and all of this. And it goes from there to actually becoming Claire Monsters and like. The tip of the from, from Jaffe to Trump, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. They really, so really in such that. a yeah. short period of time, it's astonishing. Like, what's your what's your kind of explanation for the velocity of that? And and, and perhaps you could give a little bit of uh, an indication of exactly what Claremont is. Okay, yeah, so um, Claremont McKenna uh, was the college I went to in California, and its government department is really ideologically loosely affiliated with the Claremont Institute, which is a a big think tank out in SoCal. And initially, this group of intellectuals, the West Coast Straussians, uh, took this philosophy from Leo Strauss, which was like, we can divine the like proper values of society and ethics and governance through reading the ancients and trying to figure out what they were actually saying. But the ancients for the East, for the general Straussians were like, 
the Greeks, the Romans, maybe some of the Christians. And mm. then the West Coast Stra- founder Straussians were like, well, what if we did that with the founding fathers? Yeah. And then they like jetted off to California and were like, we need to study the texts of the founders in order and keeping to- in mind also yeah. that at, when the Iraq war happens and everybody decides that they're political the next day and they're trying to themselves decode what's happening. The thing, the person they all finger as the evil monster in the past, as the kind of urtext of neoconservatism is Strauss. Right. So yes. it's, he, is, he is like, un, there was a book called Understanding Strauss that came out in like 2004 or five. And everyone was like, Strauss is the evil guy. And yet the kind of MAGA Institute is based on stretching ideas. Right. I mean, here's the thing. Like the very first Claremont Institute formal ass event I went to was honoring John Bolton yes. in like 2008. <laughs> yeah. And like now that it's super MAGA, you're just kind of like, what? Yeah. But, yeah. but the core of like Straussian Who, By the way, you should remind yeah. people was hired by Donald Trump. <laughs> in a very, second. very, very, you know, big capacity as a national security advisor. And then yeah. Bolton was like, nope, actually, I don't like this yeah. and left. And then Trump was like, oh, he's a neocon who drags us into wars. And yeah. we're like, okay, bro. That's what we knew him as. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but here's the beauty of Straussianism. It's that the approach that they take to understanding historical texts of philosophy and whatnot is let's understand exactly what this guy was trying to say and only and like if you're really really smart and study the context in which he said it and like have the specific insight then you actually know what he was trying to say because he was trying to hide his knowledge and Mm -hmm. it's just like a lot of like here is my brain that exists in this time and I'm applying it to this text. Oh, wait, maybe it should be like this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so I, like... You know, I don't, sorry to, to dwell on this too much, but it's funny because if you, anybody talks about, you know, MAGAism or Trumpism, it's kind of thought of as an anti-intellectual movement in the mm-hmm. sense that there's not an intellectual core to it. It's Trump's instincts and whatever. And they hate so many of the, the sort of MAGA cohort hate those old like for instance good example of this is tucker recently being like william f buckley is like the worst thing that ever happened he named his son after him i I understand (laughs) it's so crazy and um literally named his son yeah um, but i think his brother's called buckley too isn't it i thought i thought so i don't know but this whole thing that like all of these intellectuals of the conservative movement and of the sort of straussian world are the problem i mean how do they kind of square that is there can there be an intellectual core to the MAGA movement? Is there a sort of through line? Or is it just all of these people from Strasville, people who loved Bloom and the closing of the American mind, people who are kind of like, oh, neoconservatism was great, but the Iraq war was a failure, so now I'm gonna, kind of looking for something else. Is there an actual intellectual core to MAGA um, sort of theology? Because it is kind of like a re- religion. In a sense, yes and no. Yes, in that there is a reactionary sense that's always been in conservatism ever since, like, Buckley and Goldwater were reading Edmund Burke of, like, oh, no, society's moving too forward too quickly. We got to drag it back and do whatever it takes to do yeah. so, even if it means, like, preserving these institutions that are just, like, not good for civil liberties or whatever ideal you've got floating around. Mm. Uh, so I think a lot of the... MAGA intellectuals who may have started out at the Claremont Institute still believe that. Like the Flight 93 election essay, Michael Anton, it was first published in the Claremont Review of Books. And that essay was arguing society, like American society is on the brink of destruction. Hillary Clinton 
a Hillary Clinton presidency would mean that like multiculturalism would dilute American values and people would be streaming over the border, yada, yada, yada. Glad that didn't happen. No, <laughs> we stopped that. Uh, and that Good Lord. And um, so he publishes that everyone initially react, everyone who's like a quote unquote smart conservative looks at that and they're like, Oh gasp. Oh no. But then yeah. like that intellectual seed having been legitimized by the Claremont Review of Books, just starts, like, growing and growing and growing and growing. Yeah. And I would say that even if there were, quote, like, conservative intellectuals out there, I think they share at with the rest of the movement and the rest of conservative intelligentsia world right now that, like, oh, God, there's an assault on free speech and freedom of thought in, like, campuses and corporations, yada, yada, yada. Um, the weird turn for me is that you go from a place that <clears throat> is wearing its enlightenment um, aff affiliation or, or, or uh, aficionado dumb fandom on its sleeve forever, right? Claremont Review of Books was boring. It was boring, like fusty, tweedy conservatism forever, <clears throat> but loves it, some enlightenment, some founders. And you go from there via Anton, via Trumpism, and then via the kind of the Mencius mold bug kind of bad path. Uh, into neo-reaction, mm -hmm. which is explicitly anti-enlightenment. You go from we are the 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 I mean, like the torchbearers of the enlightenment to we are the place where you're going to have uh, essays against the enlightenment in five years. In five years, oh. I'm like you know we talk about Vice, where Michael used to work, places that like went from you know here's the guide to do this to here's the guide to do the opposite in five yeah. years. Yeah. Um, Claremont is one of those stories too, but it's mm -hmm. in a different direction. It's from right to yeah, where it's like to... institutional takeover. I mean, when a government changes, we're like, well, that's from a different party and we had an mm -hmm. election and we next day we understand everything's going to be different. Like when the institution changes at Vice, when the institution changes at Claremont, it's like at the end of that, when you have an institution that's devoted to being the kind of intellectual engine of the conservative movement, a little different in the West Coast way and the Jaffa way and was it Henry um, Olson, mm -hmm. people like that. It's going to be slightly different, of course. But like at the end of it, where do you put like who do you would, would you identify? Is there anyone you would identify as the kind of consummate MAGA intellectual in the way that if you said neoconservatism, mm -hmm. you'd say Norman Podhuritzt. <coughs> you know, if you would say, um, you know, uh, populist conservatism mm -hmm. in the past, you'd say Pat Buchanan. What is that version for MAGA? Is and, there anyone? Yeah, and that's the part where I come in with part two of no. Yeah. Which is that there is no one institution or one person that has an actual hold on what makes populism populism these days. Yeah. Mm. Um, so there is a theory I um, come up with in the book and I call it the infinite fringe. Mm -hmm. So this was like derived from when I started thinking about like William F. Buckley trying to get rid of the Birchers and everyone was like, oh, he was able to drum them out of the movement. Mm -hmm. And the Birchers for listeners who are not such deep cut nerds such as ourselves, uh, pretty strong faction in right wingerness in the 60s, um, had some crazy conspiratorial beliefs. Um, I Very much in Southern California. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Orange County kind of movement. right? Yeah. And then um, – a lot of Welches were involved. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The head, the founder, <laughs> Robert Re Welch. Yeah, related? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just say yes. It's not convincing. Uh, <laughs> but Buckley devoted so much time and so many column inches to being like, no, they're not conservative. Um, I don't care if you cancel my magazine. I don't care if like you mm -hmm. want those votes, Mister Senator. They're not conservative, and just like expended so much of his personal 
energy and political capital on making sure the Birchers were not there simply because he wanted to make the movement more like appealing to the rest of the country before Reagan. You know, I think that one of the things that makes Tucker hate uh, Buckley all of a sudden is nothing to do with what Buckley said thought wrote if you go back and probably mm-hmm. not a lot that he would disagree with it's including that he was against the iraq war he was which against iraq tucker war. was vociferously in favor of but now yeah is a he, big opponent in fairness to tucker, he did change pretty quickly back then yes he, he did it was like it wasn't like 2015 it was like 2005 yeah. or something maybe four or five but the buckley thing that i think makes these people loathe him so much is the fact that he would spend the winter in stod in switzerland and with you know david niven Mm-hmm. with Taki, with Abu, who they love, actually. You know, these people, these society types. He loved the Upper East Side dinner party at the Maisonette. He loved being from Connecticut and the country club and the mm-hmm. waspiness in the fact that he had so many f- friends and Pat Buckley had so many famous friends. They don't like that at and all. Also, mm-hmm. And also they that. Right. that. Like, exactly. just inst- like but instinctually. Al- but also, uh, pursuant to the infinite fringe, he was a gatekeeper. Yes, and- yes that's what Correct. I mean. Yeah. That's what I'm heading at. Correct. So... There were maybe three or four people in three and four institutions that could be like, this is conservative. That's not conservative. If you're a writer who is not that type of conservative out with you, you are no longer published in our paper. And then like the worst they could, the best they could do afterwards is get like a ham radio in the (laughs) backwoods. Uh, That then the internet rolls along and all of a sudden, like the gatekeepers don't exist. Like if you get kicked out of a magazine, you go off, you start your own website uh, bring your own writers on board. If someone from that publication is too out there and gets kicked out, he can run over and start their other publication. Yeah. And like, you can keep going and going and going and going. And like, I mean, that's what's happening with Tucker right now, right? Yeah. Fox kicked him off the air. Everyone was initially like, no, Tuck, like Tucker won't have power anymore. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, Tucker's 100% going to go off and start his own thing. But does he have the same amount of power that he did before? That's the, and that's the question. It's hard with the, to tell, right? right. It is. And that's the issue with the infinite fringe. It's that like there are so many little random people out there with their micro audiences, but in the aggregate, they are all against the media and the institutions at the center. Is it possible for the fringe to be completely overemphasized in mainstream media coverage and given far too much credit and Trump be this popular and he can win a second election. Because I think there's sometimes the conflation of these two things, mm-hmm. like the total batshit people that gets everybody from Mehdi Hassan to uh, the Young Turks and whoever excited and plays these clips of people saying goofy shit, like, you know, ad infinitum, is like when they when they atomize that much and all make their own publications, they all have their own substacks. it seems to me that they lose a bit of power in that Trump's appeal isn't necessarily what people, particularly at MSNBC, want it to be. They want it to be a white nationalist power. They mm-hmm. want it to be a neo-Nazi, a neo-Confederate kind of thing. But you've, look, I've run into you at MAGA events in the middle of fucking North Dakota. That was that, fun. That was uh, my pillow event. Yeah. But like, you've Both been of you around. wearing your red hats. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, totally. We were going to get, yeah. 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 We like, let's get tiki drinks afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it was, and, and then I, I, I had to leave that night, actually. It was very, very strange. But the weird thing about that, yeah, I, it was a long story. Yeah. But, um, but that, those people, like, they don't, when you meet these people and I meet these people, most of them, you'll find the ones that want to come to the camera, gravitate mm-hmm. to the camera to be like, fuck around and find out, man, and just start crazy. But you talk to the average person who's <laughs> kind of wandering in and says, yeah, I'll probably vote for Trump. They don't really care about these Tucker-ish conspiracy theories and these kind of fringe types. Mm, right? 
don't not, think so. Not really. It's hard to tell for me. Well, there is one instance in the book. Um, after we meet up in my pillow land, yeah. uh, I'm still driving around and I'm like, you know what? I want to go see like what the militia thing is about. So mm. I'm just going to go to Spokane mm-hmm. and I just go to Spokane in the middle never, of winter. Yeah. Never. <laughs> <laughs> and I end up in this uh, tiny little church in the middle of nowhere where one of these uh, pastors, Josh Farstein, mm-hmm. who like is really big in even in like patriotic Christian, like constitutional Christianity world is yeah. just like preaching to a group of 30 people. And talking about how there's a dark spiritual darkness descending upon America, and he doesn't say anything explicit like, "Oh, you know, there's like like senators in Washington worship Satan." Nothing that crazy, but it's yeah. all like there's so, like there's something very deeply wrong in our country. It like it's spiritual rot at the core. It's all really bad. Like. Can't you believe your kids are on TikTok getting Chinese drivel like mm-hmm. poured into their brains? Uh, Biden and Harris are at the center of it all. And it's just this overall sense of unease that's happening right now. But you can make an argument for all that stuff, can't you? As in like. As in like there's a rot, spiritual. I mean, I don't agree with this myself, but there's a spiritual rot in this country. Biden's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Kids are on TikTok. Like that's not crazy fringe land, is it? Yeah, I mean, not at all. I'm waiting for you to say no. something that ain't true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's, yeah. The, here's like the brilliant. Yeah. Here's the brilliant part of that guy. Um, so the reason he was there was because he was working with this organization called the Patriot Church. Mm. And. It was specifically targeted towards people who had been like going to church regularly until the pandemic. And then the government was like, nope, okay, we got to stop church. We have to stop people attending church. Mm-hmm. And that was just a huge psychological mindfuck yes, it was. to yeah. people. And just like watching what the government would do in order to prevent this illness that they weren't even sure existed, like, Freaked people out to their core, mm. and sometimes they went off into like QAnon land. But mm-hmm. uh, but most of the time, they like associated the fact that everything they had that had been like a corner of their regular life was suddenly gone. Like they couldn't go to restaurants, they couldn't go to like okay restaurants, businesses. That's something everyone kind of had in common. But not being able to go to church was like kind of beyond the pale. Yeah. 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 And I think that's a really underestimated factor in understanding why people are so into Trump still. Well, this is it's it's really interesting that you arrive there. And I know we only have you for a little bit longer, but it, it feels as though part of your project professionally and, and not just in the book, but broadly is trying to help people take the MAG movement seriously and find something other than the most nefarious motives that might bring people to think about these things. And certainly when you characterize the experience of people who church going folks who have particular values suddenly being in the most distressing period of their life, without collectively being there. Yeah. Yeah. It's told you cannot go. Like that is a really interesting contextualization. Are there other places where you think people are, are kind of missing the mark with their analysis? Like, Tucker is someone you know pretty well. So maybe as you're as you're punching out here, you can help us understand what is going on there. Cause he seems yeah, some of Tucker, Tucker, yeah, yeah. seems far more conspiratorial than he ever seemed when he was on air. And towards mm-hmm. the end there, it did get a little strange. Got a cough, excuse me. Mm. 
towards the end there, it did get a little strange. I starting to cry about but, it. Yeah, it's fine. Oh, no, it's fine. It's okay. I was giving you a cut. Well, I mean, we did have one really good experience on air, and he was very kind to me and polite, and I enjoyed you, yeah. it. Oh, he's yeah, he's um, wonderful. He's but, a really nice guy. But yeah, these days, you know, when I hear crazy, him talking about bro. UAPs or any number of other things, mm-hmm. he seems to endorse pretty much every <laughs> big conspiracy theory that's out there mm-hmm. with a degree of certainty that I find, like, really confounding. Yeah. Are Here's, you surprised by where he's ended up? This is a guy you you at least knew yeah, before. No, I so there is this arc in the book where he goes from the person who is my first boss and I'm trying desperately to impress to someone I'm like covering as a journalist right now, mm-hmm. going like, mm, okay, this is interesting. And like that's the fun thing about narrative memoir. You can do yeah. that kind of mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. Um But the first thing he ever said to me. When I'm sitting in his office as a little baby 22-year-old, and he's like, oh, my God, like, where'd you go to, like, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to high school? Wait, you went to Milton? Do you know Todd Bland? And I'm like, my prin- my high school principal? Yes. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> he's, oh, Tucker said that. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yes. And uh, he goes on the story about how his, when they were in high school, <laughs> Uh, Todd Bland hit on his girlfriend mm. and Tucker just like still hates him ever like to this day. And I think this is hilarious because I'm 22 and I'm like, oh my God, who ended up winning? He goes, I did. I married her. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Yeah. And initially I think this is really, really funny. And yeah. then fast forward like 13 years later, uh, this is 2022, <laughs> right after he, like he's still the top host at Fox. And I decide to close the loop on that and be like, hey, Tucker, can I like interview for you for my book just to see like how things have changed? And I kid you not, maybe like 20 percent of the conversation is him just like bringing up old grudges against people he hates Yeah, about like like people like I don't know. You think he calls Ariana Huffington like narcissistic rich lady who cares about sleep too much. Yeah, Um, again, (laughs) not wrong. Yeah. Yeah, him and like, that so guy that runs Tucker the gym. Yeah. so right about everything. Yeah. 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 That's the real question. Yeah, but yeah. like. Who else, who else yeah. are you talking to? Um, ben Smith. Oh, Bill well, Crystal. I mean, Bill. Everyone. He hates more than anyone. Yeah, yeah, his old neighbors back in Washington, D.C., who like. I think he. Like, oh, there was this one really good quote, which was like. They all hung Black Lives Matter signs in their windows, and it was like going to soul cycle for them. They didn't That's really mean good. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah. This is all on the record, right? Yes. He doesn't give a shit anymore. He does not give a shit anymore. And yeah. like and he didn't really ever give a shit, but yeah. Right. And my grand unified theory about Tucker is one, he's a magazine writer who and like in magazine writing time, you could always like go indulge in crazy shit and then mm. come back and be like, Oh my god, I can't believe I got to hang out with like rando weirdos. That's yeah. great. I'm gonna write about it. Yeah. Uh then, kind of what Moynihan does, right? It's pretty much what it's fine. I love doing that yeah. shit. That's yeah. why I met you in like my pillow land randomly. Yeah. But you know, I think the way the reason that people I mean one of the many reasons they should go out and buy your book mm-hmm. is that the way you cover these people and the way other people cover these people are different. Because when I go and I'm from Massachusetts too, as you mm-hmm. know, and when I go into a say militia camp in the woods in Georgia, which I did right before the 2020 election. And I'm talking to these people and like, I have a cameraman Mm. and I'm, you know, have the editors at the other end and not necessarily in this example, but other, you know, producers. And they're like, they sit in the room with these people and they don't know what to say Mm -hmm. because they're not like them. Right. And they're not like them. They're so different from them. They're like, I don't, I have no common language. I'm like, no, but that's, what's exciting about the job that we do. Mm-hmm. Don't sit there and be like, snarl it at them and judge them and be like, what? When they say something crazy, be like, oh, why do you think that? 
Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's the difference which I get in your approach to this stuff too. And I think that having, you know, half a foot in that mm-hmm. world at one point helps you kind of not only contextualize but humanize these people mm-hmm. and say, all right, well, what's going on here? Rather than like when I am in a bunch of a bunch of media people and you see the New York Times people, it's always the New York Times people. You can pick them out. They look the same. <laughs> mm-hmm. They look like you know where they live and what street they live on on Park Slope. And they ask these questions. And Camille, we 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 sent. I guess we all sent this clip around the Vivek one. Mm. That worked to the average person because the person in the Washington Post just sounded so uh-huh. like contemptuous. Yeah, and like, yeah. Mm. And, and Vivek is like essentially asking uh, him to to denounce white supremacy. Yeah, just like yeah. just like randomly a, yeah. like and which is the same that Tucker did with Ben Smith. That's dude, why he was like, mad about it. No, yeah. that yeah, honestly, like. Wait, Ben did it to Tucker? Yeah. yeah. Like, okay, so the reason I reached out to Tucker was because I had tried to catch him at that Ben Smith-Tucker interview, and I was like, will he be there in person? (laughs) He zoomed in, but, like, Ben Smith just, like, sat there and asked him straight up, are you a white nationalist? Yeah. And... Tucker was obviously like, no, I can't believe you asked that. That's insane. But that's not for the audience. That's for his, his people, his friends and media. Although, although, think, although at that particular moment, reaction. yeah, at so, that particular moment, I think in Ben's not defense, and only only casually, there's other ways, um, yeah. perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. Also, like no one would ever say, "Yes, I'm a white nationalist," <laughs> yes, without yeah. like, unless like you've got a swastika on yeah, your yeah, cheek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think no Ben was that, that yeah. was like a layup. I don't think it was actually Ben putting the question to Tucker in a like admit that you're a white supremacist, or at least I'm asking you the tough question now. Mm. It's essentially respond to your critics. No, like, no, no, no. I was I was in the room watching that and I Oops. think that was the actual like line of questioning that led up to like blah blah blah. You said this or if you yeah. said this, yeah. are you a white nationalist? Mm. Oh, so you think it was more deliberate. I think it was more deliberate. Okay, we should ask Ben about it. Yeah. 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 Um, At some point. Yeah. Um not too. I mean, I'm but, yeah. yeah, we should do that too. But, well, you think he'll show up to But like here, sorry? You think he'll show up if we ask him? Of course, Tucker. Oh, he! I'm sure he would. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He t- look, he he like hung out with Cat Turd. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw yeah, that. The, yeah. Yeah. The internet guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. We but know yeah, who like, Cat Turd is. We're we're hip. I don't think he is. <laughs> He's. I saw a picture of him. I was like, is this a guy from fucking ZZ Top? Yeah. <laughs> He's like some old crusty dude, right? Oh, can I close the loop on my like um yes. sure. story? My yes. grand theory, unified theory of Tucker. Yeah. So one, he's a magazine writer who's like totally down with like dealing with crazy people. Uh, but then two, he's also really, really angry at the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. And like when you put the two of them together and you put him in Maine, yeah. And then like Fox News unofficially cancels you for reasons that make absolutely no sense to anyone. Yeah. Uh, Then of course you're going to go like real, real deep in the other way. Because I'd love to say that a lot of this is, or, 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 you know, is precipitated in some ways by the reaction to COVID, which I think happened to a lot of people like Brett Weinstein and people like this. But um, Tucker, seems to predate that. Right. I mean, in the in the kind of Trump administration, 2018, 2019, he's really not the guy that I interviewed for a reason when he said I'm a huge libertarian. And he was like, no, at Cato, he was starting, fellow. he was starting to move. Oh, and I like, forgot about that. Yes, he was a that fellow. At Cato. Holy moly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he'd been moving for a while and like questioning his priors, mm-hmm. including about war, including about like international trade and whatever. Um, I think that there has been some kind of sharp turn in the last two years, mm-hmm. three years, something like that. Definitely like an information diet thing. I asked him about that, actually. Like, what is that's, it you're reading? That's fascinating. Like, she asked him, like, uh, he was saying that he has no idea and that he tried to find out what QAnon actually is. And she's like, 
Um, and it's easy to find out. It's very yeah. I go- you don't want to yeah. It, like he was like thirty seconds. Yeah, like he was like, I just want a place to read all of what QAnon said because these things always freak out, and then Google keeps telling me that I'm not allowed to read, and I'm like, I Google it, and it takes me like. 30 seconds and I sent it to him Uh but then he's also telling I'm asking like what he reads every day and he's like honestly like I'm not on social media I don't have email anymore I just like read whatever people like send me over text the gray zone that's what he reads I is that true he told me he reads the gray zone and apparently he like hangs out with Max Blumenthal and his wife who he calls very lovely yeah no that's Hmm. something I didn't see coming but i knew that that when he when he was on the show i saw max on the show and that's a very weird thing because like trying to figure out what maga means and what populism what you said is right what populism means separate that out is that if you had said to me like okay the first indication that for instance you cannot be a conservative populist and say like israel is Pat Buchanan in 1992 or even before that. Mm-hmm. But when Buchanan is doing his pitchfork speech and the rest of it, like Buchanan loathed Israel into Buckley's, uh, who wrote you know, a very thin volume book that was based on an essay they wrote about him and Joseph Bran and about you know, anti-Semitism mm-hmm. in the movement, is that like you can't be a, a sort of populist now and be like, you know, Ukraine has the right to defend itself. And not even we should we should mm-hmm. defend them ourselves. We should give them money. That's a totally separate issue. You can be a very, very good conservative case about keeping America's money out of that. It's actually blaming the Ukrainians for their own right. attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's a, step a different further. thing. That's, That's a step something much I don't know where yeah. that happened. Yeah. Well, I know we need to let you go, Tina, but it do does we, sound do we like really? we made uh, I think so. Hmm. You've got you got another engagement. I do. Um, and that well, person will be very stay. sad if I Yeah, we don't care yeah. about that person. And that person, <laughs> and that person is Eric Bowling. <laughs> 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 he just sent me a picture of his cock and he was like, get over here. I was like, no, 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 ask for Tina. Sorry. I thought he no. was only sending that to me. Oh, no. no that's so mass text? Oh, Jeez. that's a WhatsApp wow. group. Oh, yeah. horror. Enormous. Yeah. I mean, you can go, y'all can go jump what? on his dick right Hopefully now. I responded faster than you guys. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but I do want to say, it, it does seem as though this is a period where we do need to understand the MAGA movement in a more sober way because we may get a hell of a lot more MAGA in the years to come. So, Tina, thank you for your book. Thank you for spending a little bit of time with us. Next time you come back, maybe don't have other engagements so that you can stay much longer because we want more Tina. Oh, my God. I I have an idea. Yes. So tomorrow we are going to do our second Sunday. We do every every, every, um, month, which is we do a live show (gasps) with everybody. Now you can either come on tomorrow if you have time, or even in a future one. Yes, you can just be one of the people. It's a very free, free, mm-hmm. and and then then you'll sell a lot more books because Yay! people will directly um, be able to question you, and this will mm-hmm. wet their yes. appetite. So yes, you oh. want to come on? Uh, we Wait, would love to have we'll you. Here, here, tomorrow. I, I, I actually it out am here tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. What time? Right. Are you, what time are you guys doing it? Eleven a.m. We're doing an a.m. recording. Oh, I can do that. All right. Well, let's talk about more it. Tina go, tomorrow. All right. Go have because we've just started on this, and there's a lot yes. of good stuff. So All right. Go okay. have. Your dinner. Bye, everyone. We'll, bye. I we'll left. Talk to you soon. I also left like more lady booze in the fridge. So okay. have fun. Oh, thank Yay, you. lady booze. Girl, thank you, Tina. Okay, where do we want to start? Because I want to pick up on this. Uh, um, Here we go. I want to pick up on this. Tina just when we're talking about this. Something um, 
that we talk about in private. We're going to pick up with her again, some of the characters in her book, mm. Charles Johnson being one of them, these people mm-hmm. that have really gone around the bend. He's like a Holocaust denier now. John Elliott from IHS, who we've talked about before. He became like a- Turned out to be a Nazi. He turned out to be like an actual Nazi, right? Yeah. Like a, like a, like an act. When they say white- And then he got a promotion. Is that how that works? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. yeah. yeah. Within the, yeah, he's now Obersturmbannfuhrer. <laughs> um, but that, and Camille asked the question, like where- what it happened? We've seen it happen to so many people over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. I'm going to float one very brief theory and tell me if I'm wrong about this. The reason that that can't happen to the three of us hmm. is number one because we're smarter than them. Which yes. is quite, well, quite, I mean, this is just generally true. Yeah. yeah, better read, smarter, yeah. better yeah. looking, bigger more skull, handsome for sure. Funky, more yeah. hand, but I think that actually. I mean, I'm just and, and I'm not hung just, like a like yeah. a, a horse. Yeah, well, like that's a what large horse. Yes, stallion. That's of some what. Sort. That's what they. Yeah. they that's what Charles Jones told just, me. I just hear that a lot. Is yeah. What I hear, <laughs> yeah. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Mr. Ed. <laughs> what? Yes. What did you? That's what they call me. And I'm fine with it. But I think that they're actually. You can use that as a pivot point to my real question, mm, mm-hmm. which is um, yes, the thing that create that prevents that from happening is when Tina says something about Tucker being in Maine, which is true. He like has a husband. Mm. He was like just filming up there too. I think that having a super active and healthy and normal social life and interests beyond politics kind of insulates you from the madness. Yeah. Because when politics is the only thing that you live, think, and breathe, mm-hmm. and then you, st- the natural instinct that people have is to dot connect. It's all coming together to me now. I've been trying mm. to figure this out because I care about politics my whole life, and now I'm I mean, seeing it. Or the one th- challenge with this with this theory, though, or one challenge I might offer is that I actually think there's plenty of people who have lost their minds in elite enclaves on the coasts who happen to be of the political left. And at the moment, oh, but does, we always knew that. Yeah. But I'm just saying <laughs> that there's a, there's a, there's a huge kind of conspiratorial energy in the polity now. And I haven't seen a great explanation for why all of these things seem to be taking hold well, in the way that they are. Now. Let's recall what we we're just talking about with Tina is uh, the COVID thing was bigger than yeah. I think that we it can process. Is I think that's mine, true. By the way? That is yours. Oh, that's all, yeah. It always happens. Yeah. I was about ready Booze to get on. Yeah, you yeah, should okay. just sorry, drink sorry, it. Um, before someone else grabs it. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Nate Silver pointed that out in the essay that you were pointing us to. Yeah, uh, Nate, Nate Silver is great. Nate, Nate Silver. We like Nate. Yeah, yeah. come on the podcast. Nate on. Silver. I've sent you a note and you've ignored me, but yeah. like, I don't ignore me anymore. No, let's be friends. You should know that the other two people on the show aren't black, so you can respond to us. Yeah, let's put an end to racism and have you on the podcast. Stamp out. I don't even understand this. Yeah, yeah. And, I thought we'd come so much further. Yeah. Why don't you come here and just apologize for your racism? <laughs> and then no one will say that you're racist anymore. Yeah. I'm just thinking Is this of a good like, way to get like, people to come on yeah, the podcast? Totally. Yeah. I imagine okay. him like George Wallace asked for, after he'd been shot in the wheelchair going, I'm sorry about being racist. We forgive. All yeah. is forgiven, George. Yeah. Well, trust me, every yeah. black person in Alabama did forgive him. That's true. In his last election, he, he won thriving. 85% of the black vote. It's true. He's, He's thriving. wild. Yeah. Totally wild. Hence, but, hence Trump's surge amongst minority voters. Yes, and I want to finish, I, but just a quick thing, when you yeah. said about people that we don't talk about on the left and elite enclaves, this doesn't explain them. And in a way, I think it does explain them. Okay. Because there is, their reaction to stuff is social too. Uh, I'll give you an example of this. I was in a conversation with somebody in a business way. Business transaction, be as vague as I possibly can. Okay. Within two minutes. He's buying drugs. Of, yeah. yeah. Cocaine. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah. Yeah. We got the straws here from Sofia yeah. Coppola. We don't do crack Thank because you. crack is whack and cheap, but the cocaine? Yeah, crack is for poor people. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Ghetto drug. I was- um, Shout out Whitney Houston. Rest in peace. This person said Rest to me- Rest in power queen. Yeah. She literally said to me, mm-hmm. within a minute, she's like, you know, um, I want my daughter to go to college. Um, she said she was Canadian. She's like, I want my daughter to go to college. Uh, you know, maybe in Canada from back from where we were from. Like, you know, and I said, look, I like McGill or, you know, Carlton or Guelph or who knows. And she's <laughs> like, yeah, no, they, uh, the reason I, I do is because uh, they have much better gun laws. And this person lived in Crown Heights. I'm not joking. And I was like, I'm sorry, why are you telling, what does that have to do with anything? And I was like, oh, we're in the middle of a business transaction, business, broadly speaking, business transaction in Brooklyn. Yeah. We're of a similar social background. And she's trying to tell me that she's good. Yeah. In a weirdest fucking oh, way. Yeah, wow. yeah. And I was like, wow. so when they do that, yeah. like it's also social, social for them. signaling. Yeah. And they're social signaling to their people by being fucking insane. Yeah. And like when we saw that video from the San Francisco City Council meeting, of like them, you know, literally the the the, the city is like on fire and they're voting Just to like dancing. censure Israel. Yes. And like everyone has masks on. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Literally everyone well, not has the masks on. Not the babies. The, ba- you know, the baby might have We don't have care about the baby. Yeah. Baby didn't have a mask on. Mom yeah. did. Yeah, mom was mad that yeah. she did, As in 90% forgot of to the people abort in the room. <laughs> Oh, God. God. Fuck. It's not too to, late. I wanted to show my Here, friends a new how ordinance passing. I hate soon. the Supreme Court. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's also an element, and this actually um, uh, gets to a part of Tina's book I would have liked to have talked to her about if she um, uh, didn't have her fault. more uh, assertiveness with members of her family. Um, <laughs> is, uh, she talks a lot about sort of escaping the kind of uh, libertarian journalism kind of. Uh, yeah, I want to talk about that. Machine. Uh, machine or 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 Maybe like she didn't know that it would just like not exist anymore in a couple of years yeah. so. well and <laughs> this is kind of true yeah. completely um, separate now yeah people who and i think this does apply to tucker a little bit people who feel like the job that they have that they like or, or that they're grateful for having but feel like somehow they are saying things that they don't believe or like working amongst people who regularly say things that they don't believe and who have the impression that you're not allowed to say something. Tucker says this every single time you open this about, but you're not allowed to say yeah. that Zelensky actually eats babies, but he does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, you have uh, to love that. You're not allowed to think to say the thing that I'm about to say. About to say and I'm yeah. the most popular cable television host <laughs> in America. Yeah, but, I, but I do not doubt that he actually believes that uh, on some level, even though I think what he says is, is oftentimes that tumbles out right there is nonsense, but yeah. like you're not allowed to criticize big pharma on cable news. Yeah. Even though you are, yeah, uh, sure. but like if he feels like, if he felt like this whole time that he wasn't really allowed to say that and he's sort of chafing under it, or if, if you work for an ideological kind of uh, publication uh, or business um, and you don't really fit in normally with that ideology. You are going to resent it. Yeah. And when yeah, you, I mean, my life is a lot of that. Yeah. And when you break out of it, you immediately like uh, that is your number one target. I think we've seen a lot of people do this who break out of, you know, the libertarian sort of media corner um, when it's not a, a big place no, uh, suddenly corner, become yeah. kind of like. Like vituperative ex-libertarians, Tina is not one of them, by no, the way. No. Uh, but uh, she does talk <laughs> about. Uh, she might mention one or two in her book um, who uh, who are. And like, if if that is the case, um, I get being mad at your former self. I get 
um, you know, feeling normally disillusioned from things. But sometimes it's it's it wasn't a great fit, and you're yeah. expressing your anger at your not great fit yeah, in a way that's the, disproportionate to the actual sins of the place that you left behind. What is the the sort of music analogy there when you have somebody who has a moment that they tap into and they become very successful and have a number one song and become sort of internationally famous and, you know, kind of an MC hammer way. And mm -hmm. like, then they just disappear. MC hammer is a little different because he managed to kind of, kind of come back in a way. Yeah. And, you know, it'd be like Millie Vanilli if there wasn't the scandal, if they just kind of trickled out because you see these people in Rick Astley. Rick Lastly is a good example. I mean, I actually saw him do an entire concert, uh, I saw it online, of Smith's covers. And he's like a huge Smith fan. It's very, very interesting. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah, it's not bad, actually. Um, but if you see somebody in the libertarian media universe who left that universe, which is fine. I mean, I left it. I was never really in it. But these are people who in their entire lives were, were staked on this. And that's the reason, the best and most compelling reason to want to see Donald Trump fail. Um, cause I just want the, this, all they have, that's never going to give you up for them. That's the one hit. <laughs> and after that, what are they going to do? It's all like, you don't believe this is today. Yeah. Ross Douthit is dismissing the insurrection. It's like, dude, get a fucking life. Honestly, write something that isn't reactive. That's what Ross Douthit does. And yeah, I disagree does. with Ross Douthat a lot, but he has ideas and then he puts them out there and people criticize him. All of these people do is they have one note. They might have an issue that they bang the drum about and they don't have any nuance about it, of course. And they just keep on going on about what others say and how terribly they say it. Or if they just use the wrong adjective. Correct. Like, I mean, we do that a lot here, but that's kind of the premise of the podcast in some ways to <laughs> piss on people and tell them they suck. But also we- And do, also to, to congratulate them when they've written great things. Yes, that, but, but also we have but someone like Tina here and talk about like, where do these ideas come from? Like yeah. what- what is motivating the MAGA people? Where do they go in the future, et cetera? But the, these, I don't, it's just these, they became one hit wonders with fucking Trump that no one cared about them before and they saw an opportunity to be a little something different. To be the, I was on your side, and this is what Tina does not do. Mm -hmm. I was on your side and now I'm not and I can expose you kind of from the inside. It's like, no, you can't do that. Mm. No one gave a shit about you before. No one gives a shit about you now. I mean, tomorrow we may have Tina, probably will have Tina tomorrow. Maybe. So yeah. that'd be fun. I hope so. Um, but there's a couple of things that we could talk about uh, before we get out of here and Houthis? go do some other stuff. We got the Houthis. And what I'm assured is like World War Three coming. Um, oh, look at that light moving. That's yeah, just um, a light moving. And do you want to do you want to do we've a also rundown? Got Iowa coming up on Monday. <laughs> yes. I um, want to. I just want to hear more. To talk about about that. I want to hear more about Camille's confession. <laughs> Here we go. What? About what about Godzilla. Not look, about what Godzilla. I said is, what I said is I teared up in the movie. I'm not going to say no, you that you teared that up when we fired missiles against the Houthis. That's well, what you teared yeah. up about. You were like, yes. Well, apparently I was mistaken. What I've, what I've learned from reading people tweet shit about this situation is yeah. that the Houthis are peaceful. They're peaceful. And that they are, they've only ever wanted <laughs> slavery, to seek an end to the conflict by pursuing peaceful means yes. of obstructing trade. Yes. Now, do they fire rockets at ships and occasionally hit them? By yes. Me, does anyone remember that they fired rockets at Israel too? Yeah. Which yeah. they're well, totally I mean, fine Which with. is totally defensible. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Does, because it's yeah, an apartheid state. And, and they kidnap people. To and apparently are still holding hostages 
but they're doing it in a mostly peaceful way. Correct. Which Correct. apparently does not justify any yes. sort of military response. Now, what I've said, Matt, is <laughs> I am, I am, a I hope. <laughs> yeah. That's... Maybe increasingly so. I don't understand why you can't kick people in the teeth who are bad actors. Like That's actual military actors who tell you in yeah. no uncertain terms, we fucking hate you. And had we the capability, like we certainly have the aspiration, we would destroy you and murder you. Yes. And what we'll do is we'll fire on military vessels and civilian vessels. Sure. And we will disrupt global trade mm -hmm. until we get our way. What will you do about it? Causing in... I think when you tell them... Inflation. In no uncertain <laughs> yeah. terms, yeah. almost, I mean, weeks ago now, hey, cut this shit out. This is your final warning. And they keep going... I mean, this is the definition of kind of fuck around and find out. Could you right? imagine there's an inflationary pressure here, of course, because now shipping things cost a lot more money. They have to I mean, go it, around. It's like 40% more, more expensive to go around yes. the Horn of Africa yes. than it is to go what, through the Red Sea. And, that's what and that is what are people yeah. are deciding to do yes. now. It's, it is hugely consequential for shipping. But wow, do you, not. Care, you care more about, about like, goods getting to people yes, and being much more expensive, <laughs> like, especially, I mean, especially low-income people. Yes. I mean, what kind of goods are being moved? We, we've dealt with shortages in the recent past, and they were hugely consequential You care more lives. about that and yes, than Care about Israel's genocide yeah. against Palestinian I care, about, I care about piracy of this sort. I mean, this is that's what it is. They you hopped on a, a ship trip. today that was a Greek ship that was, Greek flagged, but they was, like, it was a Greek ship flagged in like Mauritius or something. And like that the everybody on it was from like, you know, the Philippines. And all of this stuff that happens, we're going to make goods more expensive. It's going to cause this sort of slight inflationary effect. And if we let this happen, it's going to make cause a larger one. And the reason that this is happening is because 17 fucking bearded like kids with f fourth grade educations wearing flip-flops are like being dropped on to ships and like, no, you can't be here. It's like, no, no, no. Do you know all those really expensive things that Raytheon makes? You know, we have those, Do you know what you guys have <laughs> some fucking knockoff AK 47s from like the Wuhan Institute of Kalashnikov studies or something <laughs> that someone gives you and you're like, wow, these guys are massive pussies. Like Iraq happened and they just are scared of everything. They're just going to, they're going to let us control the Red Sea. We're going to stop ships. Why? I don't know. Israel, if we just say Israel, we guys like, will, will a bunch of these shithead students at NYU defend us? Yes. Uh, yes, they will <laughs> go out and say, turn another ship around. That was, did you see that? Yeah, yeah, I did that, see that. that. It was yeah. like, Wait a second, you're defending the Houthis? Are you fucking insane? It's like, okay, the best part about this is just how easy they make it. You used to make it much harder, like in the 60s, because of fewer people were involved in radical politics. Like the radicalism was not the default of life. It is now the default of everything. It's institutionalized. It was out of the institutions. Mm -hmm. So people had these more sort of elaborate uh, defenses of Ho Chi Minh and defenses of the Khmer Rouge, et cetera. These people show you every day that like, oh, they said Israel and we don't like Israel and we, America is bombing them. We hate America. So we're on their side. But they're bad people. And that doesn't matter. We're on their side. We like them. We like the Houthis now. What do the Houthis do? I don't know. What, do, do you know about the slavery <laughs> stuff and the unbelievable Islamism that they would like to take over their, their country and their region? No. 
I just like I like that they're on the, the enemy of my. Well, actually, the appropriate response is once you mention slavery, this is an op- this is an opening. You want to talk about slavery? Yeah, let's yeah. talk about white supremacy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> let's talk yeah. about capitalism. Yeah, and there's like some Obviously. guy with a fucking scraggy beard that's dyed orange, going what? Yeah, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> like as he's trying, like pr- practicing whatever the Houthis have done. The Amer- yeah. America has done far worse. I never is thought the we'd get to the place where I saw Houthis being defended, but this is I, I, I this is the rot. Yeah. That has taken over things like the so-called and 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 you know hold on to your seat because I know a lot of you identify as such listeners identify as such but this rot that has taken over the so-called anti-war movement um, anti-war politics should be war is the last option war is not the first option wars of conquest are morally wrong uh, defensive wars are defensible right? mm-hmm. it's now become a thing that re- like. You know, we hate Joe Biden. Um, I understand this. We don't like Israel. So anything that happens and because of Iraq, it's like always this like, oh, we're getting into another war. It's not, no, we're not. And I'll tell you the World War Three thing. Can we talk about how many times in the past five years World War Three has been mentioned? Mm-hmm. Um, support in Syria was going to be related to World War Three. I, I was pulling quotes of this the other day. Soleimani. Soleimani was going to be World War Three. Anything with Iran was going to be World War Three. Donald Trump in the the seventy five Tomahawk missiles in Syria. World War Three. I can find it. I, I, mm-hmm. I found it the other day. Him going after ISIS and ISIL, which is the ISIS, most undercovered war probably in American history. In one of the most insanely effective wars. I mean, didn't, there were probably World Ukraine, War III rumors when, Syria. when he like recognized Taiwan as well. But I, it's always World War Three. Yeah, but I want to I want to defend the impulse a little bit, and maybe this this is something that will be killed off in about six months. So listen closely. This might be all I've got. It's worthwhile to be concerned about escalation and it is worthwhile to be concerned about overreaching and about the, the dangers, the peril of entangling alliances and what that might oblige you to do. But it seems concerned, to me that, yes. that it's also worthwhile to be very concerned about not responding Correct. to dangerous threats abroad. Concerned and being like governed by dangerous, things, right? persistent, dangerous threats yeah. from, from, from bellicose actors who are daring you to do something. Correct. And at the moment, it is what the Iranians are doing through their various proxies. And they have that That's what they're doing. It is, these are deliberate provocations. And I think what's, what's important, and there are probably two aspects of this that we should discuss a little bit. Um, one is the need for congressional authorization if this goes beyond, beyond some particular yeah, sure. point. And where that point is, again, uh, important, worthwhile. So I want people to be you know, thoughtfully debating and arguing. He would have gotten this. it too. So well, yeah. one, one suspects, yeah. um, but, but there's a practical consideration there. There, there is a legal framework that allows the president of the United States and the military to respond to kind of imminent threats, imminent and ongoing mm. threats. And, and being whether or not shot this at. is that yeah. is something that is perhaps yeah, you debatable. Have to Congress when you're being shot at, yeah. but, but it seems like this yeah. probably qualifies for that. Should they be going much further? Well, it seems to if me- If it goes further, yeah. Yeah, but it, but it also seems to me that in this particular case, just evaluating the circumstances, no one has an appetite for this to become a broader regional conflict. No. The Iranians and their proxies seem willing to push every single button imaginable, but they don't want the smoke. No. And I think that that is pretty important when gauging whether or not- the United States and the UK and the various other people who weren't directly involved in mm-hmm. the, the fighting, but 
who are on on board with this, and that is a broad coalition of mm-hmm. various powers. Um, that part of the calculus in responding here forcefully is knowing that these people don't actually want the smoke. Lebanon doesn't want the smoke. No. Yemen doesn't want the smoke. And the Iranians sure as shit don't want the smoke. All of them have a tenuous political situation domestically are facing all sorts of extraordinary threats. And both Yemen and uh, Lebanon are incredibly poor and in very difficult mm-hmm. situations. So that seems like really important context to actually bring to bear when trying to understand this and well, simply throwing your yeah. hands in the air and it's, waving them around hysterically, insisting World War Three is about to happen because we struck legitimate threats in this yes. particular region that have been hugely disruptive globally. I mean, this is like, what the fucking I mean, Barbary Wars were about. I mean, this is the the very kind of foundation of the United States Navy, of, of piracy and people doing things like this. I mean, there's a reason that Israel hasn't been destroyed, right? I mean, all this, these people who know nothing about recent history or even history in general, who hadn't heard of the Houthis, um, you know, two, three months ago, five months ago, hadn't known anything about the history of Ukraine or the fall of the Soviet Union in 2021, and then all of a sudden became experts on it, told us, endlessly about why this happened and how to prevent it and to actually um, defend against it would be the precipitating precipitating factor in World War III. Our fault. Everything's our fault. And by our, I mean the West, but usually the United States. Why has Israel not been eliminated? The war in 1967 and 1973 were incredibly important because they defended themselves and won. But the reason since, uh, you have plenty, the the casus belli for you know, Hezbollah for regional actors is, you know, Sabra and Shatila is the South Lebanon army. There's a, you know, Israel's uh, pulls out of Lebanon 2000. There's a million things you can say beyond just the existence of Israel to go ham and try to fully destroy Israel. Mm. But they know that that's not a wise idea, right? Why do the Iranians not do this themselves? Because they know that's not a wise idea. They'll lose a war. They'll lose a war. And, and there's a lot of people um, many of whom are themselves Persian, who'd be very, very interested in seeing that happen. Um, Persians in the, in the, in the diaspora, um, with the exception of people like Trita Parsi. But, you know, if you look at, you know, let's make the Houthis do it. Let's, let's provide the people of Gaza, um, you know, millions and millions of dollars worth of military material, never feeding the population, the open air prison that managed to acquire, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of munitions and hundreds of million dollars worth of material to build tunnels and a massive tunnel network um, don't give a fuck about their civilians and their, their, the people that they're supposedly ruling. But that is being precipitated and, and, and caused entirely by Iran. Iran's proxies there, Iran's proxies in Yemen, et cetera. And of course, we fought a war with Iran already with the Iraq war. I mean, every roadside bomb that went off and killed an American troop is essentially, you could tie that back to, to, to Iran. I mean, there's probably few that where you say that's probably totally indigenous. It didn't, that wasn't, I mean, everyone understood that. Soleimani was, of course, uh, one of the people that was entirely responsible for that. And Donald Trump and the administration killed him. Um, and what <laughs> happened? He died like a dog, he's crying, he's crying. Um, that, <laughs> the Paw Patrol. The pa, yeah, the Paw Patrol. The Paw Patrol. <laughs> yeah, the dog. That is terrifying. It's amazing. Like robots and dogs yeah. coming to murder you. Yeah. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Shout out to Shane Gillis. See? He should also come on the podcast. Who, he doesn't like live a racist, in New York. It doesn't has seem not like come on the podcast. He, he lives in Austin now. Like, well, Joe I don't care. Come on Austin. It's racist not to come yeah. on the podcast. Well, well, I'll, come back well to we New should York ask him before he calls me racist. Oh, you're right. But that thing at the same end of the day is like, 
people respond to incentives. That's what mm-hmm. libertarians understand. And people understand, uh, respond to disincentives. If you allow a ragtag group of psychotic idiots who have a seventh century ideology, um, who desperately, instead of improving the state of their, their, their godforsaken country, want to, you know, put all their energy into hijacking ships and pretending to fight on behalf of the Palestinians. Um, if you allow this to happen, it keeps happening. How do you stop it from happening? It's the same thing as police work. If you don't think that's America's job to be in coalition with other people in the world and, you know, keep the global shipping lanes free from terrorism. Okay. Say that. Don't tell me the Houthis. Are yeah. Good I think people. that's a, that's a fair debate. That, to have, and that's sure. the thing, yeah. right? Like <clears throat> I think it is in our interest. Obviously, it's, but. it's the question of, well, how should we respond to any of this? Let's say yeah. that in the case of the Houthis, um, we don't do anything. Yeah. What, what are they going to do? Take over an American ship. Yes. Very soon. Um, mm-hmm. So, or from Israel's point of view, if they don't try to root out Hamas, if they, if they do a ceasefire, what is Hamas going to do tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Hamas has 135 people, 140 people still yep. hostages, right? And by the way, they're still shooting what rockets you, into Israel. So they still have ground that they can shoot rockets. What from. are you supposed to do about the 140 hostages if you are Israel? Seriously, like what is the proposal? Mm-hmm. Ceasefire is not a proposal for that. Like if you do a ceasefire, okay, you do that. They still have 140 of your hostages. But, but what but are you supposed to do? The anti-war faction, by the way, there was yeah. a there was a uh, proposal that was leaked to the media that Hamas would leave power. Ceasefire would happen. Hamas would leave power. Uh, the le- the the governance of Gaza would remain in the hands of Palestinians, probably the Palestinian Authority, and the hostages would be released in exchange for a ceasefire. Hamas um, said no. There's going to be those people that do the exact same thing with Ukraine and this, they will try to find some reading of that that blames the other side. Yeah. But that seems to me from all the accounts I've, I've seen exactly what you would expect people um, like Hamas who have no interest in um, a ceasefire. It's incredibly beneficial to them to have this keep on happening. And also if it's you, actually not beneficial too, because the people are getting angry at them too. You see a lot of evidence of this. If you don't want um, so the problem with the modern era of populism, right? There's been, um, we've seen this on some level since the late nineties for the WTO protests in mm-hmm. Seattle, right? Where the hard hats and the, and the, yeah. and the, and the puppet turtles all got together and, mm-hmm. and decided that they hate. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. There was uh, puppet turtles. Yeah. There was a whole Big puppetry, a lot of puppetry. There right? was a lot of basically hippies and hard hats. Yeah. But, um, yeah. um, and my, my wife is calling me on FaceTime. You, my you, children. You, hang, you tell her that you're doing a podcast. You're working. <laughs> you're working. I am, but I want to see my kids. I just Too bad. Yeah, um, okay. I'll ignore call. <laughs> I'm ignoring your call, wife. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Matt. Um, so you don't like uh, the WTO. You don't like the post-World War II basic system of trade and commerce. You don't like NATO. You want to withdraw yeah. from NATO. Uh, the Vivek Ramaswamy, unsurprisingly, uh, want, thinks that NATO should be disbanded. Okay, um, maybe Donald Trump does at some point or he'll he'll advocate for that. Fine. What do you how do you think the world is going to work? What happens next? What is your proposal for what to do in a NATO-less universe for when Russia does X? Yeah. I mean, um, it's a it's a fair and reasonable question. And it should be addressed. And that's in a not way. it's a yeah. ceasefire. Stop NATO. Stop the war of aggression. It's like, it's slogans. It's no one has... If you don't like this stuff, if you don't like this brand of populism, the best thing that you can do, support Donald Trump. 
Because Donald Trump will be pro-Israel if he has to be. Absolutely. He already, I mean, there's, we, there's a, a settlement in settlement, quote unquote, in Golan called like Donald Trump, like Donald Trump village or whatever. Although I love Stephen Miller, not red steez, but, uh, the, uh, balding, uh, troglodyte who uh ran he immigration he was, he was balding in middle school he was yeah. balding in the womb um uh, <laughs> from fucking brentwood who ran we, immigration we policy personal about this there's nothing wrong with going bald that happens to people eh really <laughs> i mean when you're an asshole i think it's uh <laughs> it, then you bring it all up. bald some, people are assholes yeah. i think it's a moral <laughs> failing in his case at any rate he uh responded to the uh, houthi you know uh, yeah. uh sending uh, bombs like you know, shaking my damn head, uh, Joe Biden getting us into a fifth war. That's why we have to vote for Trump. Yeah, what the seems, fuck do you think Trump like would do? Hysterical exactly. overstatement. Trump would yeah. absolutely send a missile, and he would have done that yeah, like fucking like a month Houthis. ago. I don't even know what a Houthi is, but I, he's dead. He's he's dead. dead. <laughs> His first question <laughs> is like, "What well, could, could we just bomb him?" Yeah, like, he's yeah. kind of the first question yeah. in every instance. Is is this an appropriate instance yeah. to bomb? No, Mr. President. I mean, this is just you're visiting in elementary school. It's fine. It's like you did bomb factions in Syria. You did kill a very, very well-known and revered inside the yeah. uh, Iranian regime military commander. It's like, yeah, he, if he, it's not like they <laughs> they apply an ideology to him that he kind of has instinctually because he knows that like people like it. But we when you be like, he was almost about to you know, stay in Afghanistan for 25 more years because there was f pictures of women wearing pants. Uh, remember that? He was like this, is what, like, this is what Kabul looks like in 1977. He's like, I like the pants. Let's go back. I <laughs> would remind everyone again that it wasn't Donald Trump who withdrew from Afghanistan. Correct. You're right. anti-war fans of Donald Trump. Correct. Tell me about how much you love Joe Biden. Yeah. Because you don't. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I want to, I mean, maybe we talk about this briefly because you asked the question somewhat rhetorically, Matt. What do you do? Yeah. They've still got the hostages. What is the limit of what is appropriate to do in a context like this? Which is actually what I find myself somewhat wrestling with at this stage. Because there is a point at which your defensive action, your attempt to deal with this persistent mm -hmm. threat on your border becomes something that looks a hell of a lot like retribution that isn't necessarily guided by the the sort of practical realities of the circumstance to the extent you can't actually bomb your adversary into oblivion. You can. Well, I mean, you could, but one would hope that there is some limitation and restriction on that because like, you wouldn't kill every civilian. You wouldn't displace Every civilian, there is some limit. <laughs> I mean, it depends, right? I mean, think of it this way. Yeah. Think of it this way. Okay. It, it, it is that you cannot be the moral actor for your enemy. Your enemy has to have a moral core. This is the difference yeah. between. But you do too. Yes, but that's your morality is focused on your own people. Sure. Your own people. So then and the question so then always question, with, yeah. with, with Harry Truman was, you know, if you knew that the atomic bomb was going to save 25 American lives and kill mm -hmm. 100,000 Japanese, what is it your job as an American president to do to save the 25 Americans? Yeah. It's kind of what you do in, in, in warfare. What you do also, this is not taken in isolation, is you try to convince the big six in the Japanese war cabinet. You try to convince Hirohito. You kind of convince everybody within the, the universe of the Japanese to give up. Yeah, stop this. It's time, yeah. it's time to stop this. It's that there is a point at which, like, you know, I don't want this to happen. I don't want this to keep going. I wish it could stop right now. 
Um, and I, I take no sort of, uh, you know, joy or there's no glee in, in, in this sort of thing happening. But they have to, at this point, very simple, release the hostages and say, we stole these people, these innocent humans, we committed this war crime as a negotiating tactic. All right, we'll fucking negotiate. Give us these people now and we will stop bombing you into the Stone Age. They're not bombing random things, number one. Number two, you get these images of Berlin in 1945. There's a lot more that's, that's not what all of Gaza looks like. I mean, that's why there's fighting going on. That's why there's rockets still being fired as of yesterday. Uh, there's a war happening. They're firing upon, when the Germans decided after the Fuhrer very mercifully shot himself in the head. Um, wow, are you praising Hitler? It was one, the best thing he ever did. <laughs> the smartest thing that Adolf Hitler ever did was shooting himself. No wonder you wow. like Substack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I have a new, uh, I have a new yeah. Substack called What If, and it's like thoughts from the Fuhrer. Yeah. Like, had he survived? Had he missed the shooting himself? But you have a very brief period of time. It's a very brave thing for him to do. Where yeah. you have the, very briefly, you have the new Fuhrer, Admiral Donuts, and that just, they, they know this is crazy. Yeah. And they don't have the kind of Fuhrer's stake in this. And they tell people to put down their weapons. Yeah. Very reluctantly, but they do it. And you need to do that. If they had not, they would have swept across the country as they did. And there mm. was the so-called werewolf organizations of like the young people in the Folkstorm, which were the old and the young that were like taking pot shots at Soviet troops, especially. Um, and they were still shooting. Like Hitler Youth are out there with like bolt action rifles trying to you know, you, you cannot break our spirit. We will fight you to the last man. And the Soviets and the Americans said, okay, we'll fight you to the last man then. And then they're like, all right, we give up. And then, then, then we say, okay, we, we give up too. That you have to start this process. All of the, the, the sort of moral agency is attributed only to the people in Israel. And that's what all this is like. They have to stop this. They, like, wait, do, does Hamas <laughs> have to do anything? No, because they're they're a brown aggrieved party. I mean, it's, that's how simply they think. But like, why don't you start? Like the joke was a week into this conflict when I went to that protest and filmed there, a week in was like, everyone's going to ask you like, like, do you condemn Hamas? They're like having these signs. Like, do you condemn Hamas? Like, isn't that funny? They asked me, no, it's a completely rational question because I know that you don't. And if I know that you don't, there's no point in talking to you mm -hmm. because you're a supporter of a you know, group of genocidaires who want to see the, ab the elimination of a country established by the United Nations in 1947, so this, so, 1948. So this is meaningfully different from the, the reporter, the journalist who asked the question in a kind of perfunctory way. So will you condemn white supremacy? Yeah, it's, it's totally different. Because, I mean, Hamas is an actual governing power and military organization that, that invaded— one side of a two-side war. Yeah, it's a two-side mm -hmm. war. They invaded Israel and then stole old people, children, babies, slaughtered people, rolled grenades into people's bedrooms while they slept. They did that. And what you have to say— and I'm sorry if it makes you uncomfortable. This is the question the media asks. Do I condemn Hamas? Yes, motherfucker. You have to condemn Hamas. Because it sounds to me— that you're saying that there's either a moral equivalence between these right. two parties or one is even right. better than the other yeah. party. Or, or, so please just tell me yeah. that what they did was wrong and what Israel is doing in response, I also think is wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay, now we can have a conversation, but they won't even yeah. fucking do that. And they cheer for the fucking Houthis. Yeah. 
Well, you'll be, uh, I mean, and you'll be asked to condemn white supremacy apropos of nothing. Nothing! Like, apropos of nothing. nothing. I mean, what you will zero like, no, connection I think to you, what's going on. We have to on. understand Dylan Roof. No, you don't. Yeah. He should be executed. I've, I've Full never, stop. I've never heard anyone say that, I've never actually. heard that, no. Yeah. Yeah. I'm against the death penalty, Michael. The death penalty? The death penalty. <laughs> it's the death is the penalty. So, so deaf. Yes. yes. It is death. <laughs> death penalty record. <laughs> death row record sir death jam <clears throat> yeah anyway yeah. anyway um no i agree to answer your question at, at yes. the beginning of it uh, camille yeah i don't know and that troubles me greatly and i don't know how to to think about or to judge you know is it too much is it not enough it feels like it's way too much on some level mm-hmm. when innocent babies die and they have and that sucks and it's horrifying mm-hmm. um and i don't yeah. know how to wrap my own brain around it um, and I, you know, I also inherently distrust, uh, my own reactions. My own reaction is like, fuck yeah, the, the Houthis fucked around and they are finding out. Yes. Um, uh, and, and, you know, cry more, um, lib, uh, is, is, is my feeling about that. And I yeah. don't trust that. Cause that's a very understandable human instinct. Many people are having it. Um, and from, and I said this like on October 9th, when we did our first podcast after October 7th. Um, it, I'm haunted by a lot of people's reactions, um, to some extent, my own, uh, after nine 11, like you made a lot of like rational, very small leaps of logic that end up giving, getting you to an irrational policy idea that mm-hmm. doesn't take into, um, uh, enough into, uh, uh, thinking about it. Um, what are the possible consequences of this? How can this, uh, backfire? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, so that's what I'm worried about how much I tend to agree with things, if that makes sense. So I, you know, death sucks. It's terrible. Um, and at the same time, you do have a whole lot of people in that entire region who have been fucking around thinking I can lob this ineffective bomb missile, whatever, a rocket, uh, over here, um, occasionally kill people doing it. But like no one's really going to retaliate because mm-hmm. I know that everyone is going to judge them about Iraq on a, a thinking <laughs> about Iraq and also judge them on a different scale. Yeah. Um, and that maybe it'll even be useful for us, like mm-hmm. the reaction to it. Um, and at some point, if someone does that every single day and you live next door to them. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wrap my head around at all. Um, any country in the world, if your neighboring country does that to you. And kills 1,200 people in the most brutal possible way, including mm-hmm. people who consider themselves peaceful and friendly with you. Um, who hired Palestinians. Who hired yeah. them and who worked for peace and who hated Netanyahu. the militaristic government and hated settlements. They weren't in settlements, people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, And that happens. What would any country do? Name one country that doesn't. Make those people find out. When you they said, all yeah. fucking make that those people find out in a very very clear way, and, and like way, try yeah. to get their people out. Too. If there's no invasion on October seventh, all those people in Gaza would still be alive today. Sorry to say, but you can try to make some crazy argument that that's not true, but it is absolutely true that those people would still be alive today. Yeah. But the thing that you said, like you know, the different standards that people hold different countries to. Mm-hmm is that the amazing moral standard that we hold ourselves to and that people in the United Kingdom, people in Germany, people in you know France hold the United States to, um, we should be proud of that. Yes. Because people don't hold anybody else that. They say, look what you did after 9-11, the response. 
go to every country around the world and look at how they respond to the weirdest little slights. I mean, the things that, that, I mean, ISIS just killed 90 people at a commemoration for Soleimani in northern Iran. And then they took credit for it. And people were like, it must be the Jews. It must be Israel. They're like, no, it was us. It's been, it's been seen if Israel would do that. We'd never do something like that. But like, we don't care. We will do that. And then the story just disappeared, went away. And, you know, who is going to say the same thing about, let's pretend that Casas Belli is justifiable. It's absolutely not in the invasion of Ukraine, which is that so many of the people that I can't stand and have really, really grown to hate have made excuses for over the years, yeah. made excuses for since it happened. Well, you have to understand, it's like, are they going to at any point come to that point the way they look at America? And I don't want to hear the Glenn argument that, well, this is my country. Are they, they going to hold Russia to the same standard when they say, okay, maybe the NATO thing was serious. I, you know, everybody knows how I disagree with this argument. But let's pretend it was serious. You overreacted. And hundreds of thousands of people are dead. And there's been basically no movement of territory beyond 1914, uh, uh, kind of close to 1914, 2014 in that annexation, in the war, in the roiling civil war that has gone on in Donbass and, you know, Luhansk and, and, and Donetsk, et cetera. That is nothing's really moved. So what did you expend? Hundreds of thousands of lives. This is undeniably true. And in and, and rifts, and you people have joined fucking NATO Sweden's joint. I mean, Finland's joint. NATO comes close to your border. At what point do you come and say, "Oh, well, you know that conversation we have about America after 9-11? Maybe we, we reacted to to overreacted. Like we had a point. Like they fucking sucked. Can you believe what Al Qaeda did to us? But you know, and I'm granting them that there's a justification for their argument about Russia. Imagine if that were the case. If they sat for two seconds and said, maybe they like, will any of those people who endlessly defame Zelensky, who has his faults, endlessly defame the Ukrainians as Nazis. Yeah, there are Nazis in Ukraine, like every other fucking place, like Russia's Wagner Group, which is literally named after Richard Wagner because it was started by a fucking Nazi. Like, okay, guys, like nice thoughts here. Like, is anyone going to get to that point rather than trying to find a new conspiracy theory to blame the rape victim to the rape and just say, all right, well, maybe I think that Russia was justified, but they really went too far. That was way, way, that was really poorly considered and poorly executed. And is a problem right now that's happening in the world and causing people to die, um, uh, intentionally civilians to die because they're targeting <gasps> civilians. Constantly. But yeah. for real. Constantly. I mean, there was a piece in the New York Times very long piece. It was a deeply investigated piece about how Russia in the Syria war, which nobody cares about that they sent their air force there and wreaked havoc in a way that America could have like was dreaming they could do in Iraq because all the international attention was on them. And there was an article in the New York Times about how the Russians made a campaign and actually concerted campaign to hit hospitals. Jeez. It's in like, read the paper. Tell me if you don't, if you don't, if you're not convinced by it, you're not convinced by it. But, there were how many conversations do we have immediately about hospitals in the West Bank before the like the in smoke? Would, in, in, I'm sorry, in, in Gaza, before the smoke had cleared, and we knew exactly what was going to happen. But this deeply reported piece about Russia, what Russia did in Syria, blowing up hospitals in Syria, it was. I mean, people didn't even know about it to dismiss it. Like, there's no sort of common sense here. I mean, these are people that you know the Max Blumenthal's of the world are going to defend what the Russian Air Force has done. I, I know it. I, he's done it. 
You know, they defends Assad, you know, defends the invasion of Ukraine. But this one, this one is different. Okay. I, sorry, but I find that there's some incongruities there, but that's just me. Before we get out of here, we should probably talk about Iowa briefly. And I know we may talk about it a little bit more tomorrow. Um, on Monday, MLK Day, uh, we will have our first actual voting. Um, you know, setting aside anyone who's like doing some sort of weird absentee shit. I don't know, but but whatever. Yes. We got our first actual vote in Iowa. And the expectation appears mm-hmm. to be that Donald Trump will win. Yes. Um, perhaps Nikki Haley will come in second. Ron will get his uh, participation trophy <laughs> and come in third, which is a, an interesting story and perhaps yeah. the most fascinating thing that is actually happening in this race. Um, and I don't know how much we should make of that. Who, um, who won yes. Iowa last time? Not, not 2020, but 2016. Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz. Yeah. won yeah. it in 2016. I think uh, either Huckabee or Santorum in 2012. One of those years, yeah. it was like a three-way tie, and mm-hmm. actually Ron yeah. Paul won, but he wasn't declared the winner at first, and it all kind of came out in the wash. So it doesn't determine the winner necessarily. Yeah, um, but a Trump loss in Iowa would be a huge deal yeah. if he well, unexpectedly were to lose. It seems impossible. It seems impossible. Yeah. Like he's going to win by a lot, almost yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, Nikki Haley beating um, uh, DeSantis with, uh, especially by any kind of margin, mm-hmm. um, could shape the race because it could convince DeSantis, who doesn't seem like he's having fun. And there's yeah. been, been, been reporting already that he plans to drop out pretty soon. Oh, really? Yeah. I haven't seen that. Um, yeah. That's uh, I, I take that as a positive just because um, I want there to be basically <laughs> – I mean, Nikki Haley has won the I'm not Trump – part of the election up up till now Mm -hmm. i was very happy to see chris christie drop out um before Mm -hmm. new hampshire um and she promised he wouldn't do he just said i'm not going to do that i mean anyone who knows me knows i'm not going to drop out of this and i love i love all the the people at no labels uh, going oh he'd be he'd be great at no labels dude absolutely trashed uh as uh, no labels like five months ago as a foolish mm-hmm. you know uh a, a, a organization they're like just trying so hard to be relevant he would totally, he would totally mm-hmm. take their endorsement and like do the run he would do yeah. it. I, I would we wouldn't hesitate for a half a no second it's yeah. just such a good idea <laughs> <laughs> politics just shouldn't have any labels because it never has historically right that's the problem that's the problem there's too many labels because uh, if you just don't talk about it, everyone's just like, yeah, we all agree on everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, I believe we at least the agree on what's important, all the what's really important, which is white supremacy. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. That's always the most important yeah. thing. Or the wokepocalypse. Well, one of those two yeah. things. We get a weird yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, thing fine. there, that's so fine. that's fine. fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just, <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> Matt, sees, Matt sees a totally normal message on the screen yeah. saying, hey, software update if you want to run it. Weird, got it, go, like, oh, no. Kevin! Oh, no. Step on the computer! Do we have to stop recording? <laughs> Do we have to throw it out the window? <laughs> no, you yeah. just, just, just decline just, to update decline. the software right can't, now. Can't. You know, one time I was trying to like get the the the... Oh, air conditioning well. unit out of the window. What do you, you, if you could see, it looks <laughs> it looks like he's holding an enormous German sausage. He's like, uh, this is the know, hand this kind of a hand motion. Yeah, it was really head. cold. Like uh, it's going to yeah. be here in a couple of days. It's really okay. cold. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, God, this draft. And I got, I'll just take it out of the window and I'll take it down until I need it. Mm. And so I like, 
I sort of had it here, and I was jimmying it out. It, it fell. It fell out the window? <laughs> You're a guy? Yeah, I was the guy fell out the window with none of that, but it fell out in the courtyard that I don't have access to behind oh, our house. Is it still there? And I had, no, because uh, I had to ask the Sicilian uh, jacked guy. You've seen him. Yeah, uh, yeah, Jerry yeah. next door runs uh, Jardine's yeah. Pizza. Um, it's like, because I knew he had access. You, you, you drop it out the window, you stupid man? You he's, can't say the yeah, restaurant that's right next to your house, because it then tells people where you live exactly, yeah. and then they just show up. But you like I mean, if you, yeah, like if you point it out yeah. like that. You know. I mean, you did. I literally will not tell people the town that I live in <laughs> when I'm not in the city. I just rented an apartment in the city. Did you? Yeah, I signed a lease today. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Okay. That's some news. That's some news. Maybe Ooh. we should talk about this after... We, we should stop recording and get a drink. Yeah, mm. we should. We should. I got that's that's a very important thing. Okay. And the important thing about it is that um I guess it'll be the next time you're in town, Camille. We're gonna have a we'll have a little dinner party for uh for you know, welcome a welcome dinner party. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. It's uh it's 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 in still in the same neighborhood. Okay. Still in the same neighborhood. Okay. And uh sorry to hear that. And uh, <laughs> a friend of mine who um is has a melanin forest field mm. lives around the corner good friends to have he he texts me and he's like dude i hear you're coming in around the corner yeah and <laughs> i said yeah and he's like and he's like uh he made a very funny joke because he was like oh great finally a cool white person that's moving in the neighborhood and i was like there's lots of cool there's lots of white people in the neighborhood he's like no i know it's <laughs> <laughs> like literally no cool this is a bunch of annoying fucking hipsters but uh but yeah so it's a very exciting huh. That's why you have to continue subscribing to this podcast because mm-hmm. I am absolutely fucked if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how the fuck I'm going to stay in this. This is, this is um, for my daughter. This yeah. is literally for my daughter. This is the yeah. reason I'm doing this. Yeah. yeah. 100% true. Well, we so, are, we're, we're excited about yeah. this. We're yeah. grateful for all of our listeners. So I already did that on the last podcast. I'm not going to do it again. Um, but we'll be back very soon. And if you are um, a paid subscriber, mm-hmm. you'll be able to hear more of us tomorrow. Mm-hmm. As we record our members only thing, we do that live for the people. Yeah. And uh, we should have a special guest with us. So it's very exciting. We should. We should. We yeah. should. Um, we'll tie this off soon. Yeah. And we have a couple of people coming up. And uh, at, oh, by oh, the yeah. way, I there have to do. say thank you guys. More please. I said in the last podcast, I think, I think the, the one you couldn't call in on, I said that uh, John Bronson will be mm-hmm. coming back for, I think, a fifth appearance. Um, and I'll be doing my, my customary one-on-one where we argue about things and, um, no, I can't believe it. It's lovely. (laughs) I love it. It's fucking great. Fucking. So I, so people, I said, listen to the podcast. This one I think will annoy you maybe a little more than the previous one. This is the second season of his podcast. Things fell apart. And that was in fact true for a few people. And they sent in some really, really good questions. Some of which I had too. And one, which I was ready to pounce on him for, and somebody sent in. So whoever sent that one that mentions Pulse, the Pulse nightclub, I, was, I, I had that on my notes. But thank you for sending it, too. But I'm going to ask those. And um, I think what we'll do is we'll do our conversation at the end. I'll hit him with some, um, some listener questions. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be fun. He's, just, he's, yeah. he's, he's, and you know what? This is how fucking nice our listeners are, how great they are. People who didn't, not that they didn't like it, they all said it was really well done that disagreed with a bunch of the premises of his podcast all said like, John is so talented and yeah. such an amazing guy hmm. and incredible, like, you know, maker of podcasts. And then like, this is what I disagree. It's like, 
nothing, none of it was bilious, none of it was angry. It was yeah. just like, I disagree with him on this and, and you know, maybe put this question to I mean, him. So I, I appreciate that from dude, you guys. Dude, I, I appreciate that so much. I, I, I actually had a weird experience this week where the, the stupid, like, Nazi substack drama that has begun yeah. because Jonathan Katz wrote, and I, I even, I'm loath to mention his name. Because I I find him to be a pretty reprehensible the love is person the right word, and <laughs> really just a shitty journalist has mm-hmm. uh, has been uh, pretty admirably certainly adequately detailed by Jesse Singo, <laughs> our friend um, who who wrote about this ridiculous Substack hysteria but but I I like actually asked the question about it in a fairly pointed way online and the response that I got from it was you know, a couple of like stupid replies, but also him like quote posting it on Substack saying hit dogs are hollering was essentially the reply. That was it to you because yeah, to me and hit, I'm just, hit, hit he, dogs. He called you a dog something along that those lines. Yeah. Which is obviously racist. Wow. Yeah. Who knew that Jonathan Katz yeah, was like, a racist. Okay, now we know Bull Connor. Now we know. Yeah. Racist. Yeah. Racist. Jesus. <laughs> I'm just throwing it around. Yeah. That feels good. Yeah. yeah. Now I understand so why good. people it's do empowering. it. Just call everyone a racist. It's the best. Yeah, it's the best. I'm just going to. Someone's this is pulling the year. that parking space. This is you the want year it? that we're going to platform women and call Get people racist. Yeah. That's what we'll do this year. Yeah. Um, but but it was it was <laughs> very it was very frustrating. <laughs> it was very frustrating. I found out when they're together, white people give each other things. <laughs> no, just take it. Just it, take it. It was very frustrating to to sort of see just how. I mean, it's not like I was even approaching this in the most productive way, but it was a little frustrating that there wasn't any sort of reasonable detractor in my mentions as a response in response to the post that I put up. No. And certainly not cats being like thoughtful no. and giving you a, a sort of credible defense of their position. But why would there why be? Why their arguments are good and invalid. He's, nobody knows his fucking guy is. I mean, I, I didn't, I, I guess he's on. Yeah, he wrote, writes for the Atlantic. So okay. He, whatever. He I don't know who he is. That doesn't, my, it, 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 let me be clear about that and yeah. apologize to him. I'm like, I mean, I mean, you don't serious, know. it's good. I, I mean, you, seriously, and you don't that's, need that's, to. That's, that's a cheap way of arguing. And I don't, the fact that I don't know him is doesn't yeah. mean anything. It's good. The fact of the matter is what I mean to say <laughs> is it, it reminds me a lot of, um, the cat, Williams video mm. that got I looked the other day. This yeah, is lots day, of views. Forty-eight million views. And you're, awesome. you're only looking at like the Club Shay Shay feed. Club Shay Shay one, yeah. not the clips, not yeah. the cut down. There's the a lot full, of people. Our full thing, two yeah. and a half hours. Cat Williams, most, most talked about man in America in January of twenty twenty-four. Unbelievable. And yeah. guess how you do that? You attack every fucking person from <laughs> Ice Cube to Kevin Hart. To, and, and guess what? Every one of them does. Every one of them responds. Yeah. This is what this shit reminds me of. It's yeah. like, who, what are you doing? Why are you yeah. talking about this? It's like, why, he's not going to come in and engage with you in an no. intellectually honest no, way. No, he's getting no chance attention. Yeah, no chance of that. And I'm that, I have Substack. It's I, like, I mentioned, I mentioned him because I'm, I'm interested in the Substack um, kind of non-troversy uh, respect, with respect to Nazis. And he and various other people have quit the platform recently. And I Good. just want to say publicly that we have no intentions of quitting and leaving Substack. No. Um, and we certainly wouldn't could be 40% Substack. Nazi and I'd be like, I don't care. We certainly wouldn't <laughs> leave Substack for platforms that are almost certainly in much worse shape when it comes to censorship policies 100%. and ambiguity around those policies yes. and people who are playing political favorites and Correct. are perfectly happy to allow certain people to be yes. on the platform while banishing other people primarily because of their political You should ask them if his new platform so. will, will allow a pro-Houthi 
uh, <laughs> <laughs> podcast. Almost certainly. Yeah. And if, if they would call guns and flip flops. <laughs> so brave. <laughs> so brave. Um, That'd be a great. We should do so that. So, yeah. Shout out to Welcome all the people who Welcome to Guns and Flip Flops. <laughs> we, we are stay. the official <laughs> podcast of the Hooty Rebels. <laughs> We take your ship. No, I'm joking, man. I'm not taking your ship. I'm fucking with you. I'm the captain I'm now. I'm fucking with you. I'm the captain now. Yeah. The Somalis. They're we a little did. different. We did. A little different, but almost the same. We, the Somalis, they're pussies. I'm fucking pussies. I tell you. Take their ship. I'll take your ship. But I don't even know what I'm saying. Yeah. It is Saturday evening. Saturday evening. We're going to go out and do some things. Um, and we'll be back tomorrow for a second round. But uh, yeah, it's great to be with you guys. It's great, to, great to do it in person. Good. All right. Talk All right. to you guys soon. Bye. 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 We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse, the fifth column.